0: LifeWay Lifeway Leadership Leadership Podcast Network.
1: This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. And he pulled me aside one day in a real loving, wise way, said, you are not doing ministry at all biblically. (laughs) But he essentially, he taught me Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that you're 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 trying to be—he's like you're trying to be a hero to all of these students. You're playing hero ball. You're you're trying to be the guy, the one who makes the biggest impact in their life. And and, and let me show you what the scripture says about how you actually are to do this.
0: Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host Chandler Vernoy, here as always with my co-host Josh Hunter. What's up, man? Doing well. Do you think we could ever swap that? You, you want to you know, like I kick it off, and then you... <laughs> we'll
2: see. Uh, maybe one of these. I don't know. I'm just. Always, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Yeah. Okay, if I'm good. Yeah, we'll All see. Right, we'll see. Well, hey, we're <laughs> excited to talk with Eric Geiger, who is the senior pastor of Mariner's Church in Irvine, California. And before moving to Southern California, if you guys didn't know this, Eric served as senior vice president right here, right in this building, Chandler. Yeah. I don't know if you ever met him or not, because he's a big deal. I, I met both you guys, dude. I was mad. <laughs> he, he met both of us. But he is an author, pastor, speaker, leadership extraordinaire. A couple books that he's written or co-written, designed to lead, Simple Church. And I think this was your latest one, Eric, was How to, How to Ruin Your Life. Was that your most recent one?
1: Yes. Yep. How
2: to Ruin Your Life. I, and look into the title before you just, like, think it's a book on how to ruin your life. That's not what he wants you to do. It's, no. it's more we'll you do headset. the opposite. But so glad to have you today here with us,
1: Eric. Man, thank you.
0: Well, what Josh did not share is yes, Eric was here at Lifeway, but he was one of the best basketball players here at Lifeway. Are wow. you still playing
1: ball out I to, in California? That again. I want to record that. Can you, I, I want you to say that again, <laughs>
0: one of the like best that. basketball yeah. players here at Lifeway, not the uh, best,
1: but one man. of the best, man, that means so much to me. <laughs> you
2: have no idea. I, I don't,
0: I don't know if I believe it, Eric,
1: man. Well, it's, I, I couldn't prove it to you now. That's the problem. The, uh, it, it, with every passing day, I'm less of a baller.
0: Okay. Are you still playing out there?
1: So I was playing probably the first, um, year and then lifting weights. i I messed up something in my elbow. This is oh, separate no? from my, my shoulder, uh, injury on a mountain bike. And so I had to go get what's, the, what's called that PRP surgery where they put like plasma into your back into your, (laughs) into your elbow. (laughs) And so it's just now, um, that's just now healing. So I'm going to get back to playing basketball, but it's been a while.
0: Okay. So you've been on the DL about to come back.
1: Yeah, but I'm worried about what that's going to look like, but yes.
0: (laughs) Good good call. Can I return to my glory days? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you on. So let's just get started with the first question. And can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years?
1: Yes. So really, it would be four four different phases. I'll give a quick one, and then I'll um, dive a little deeper on each. So it would be youth pastor for a season, then executive pastor. Uh, then I was senior vice president at LifeWay and now, and now senior pastor here uh, in Southern California. So youth pastor started when I was in college, was, um, was actually leading at a Christian ministry on on campus at Louisiana Tech. A senior pastor came and asked me if I would be his youth pastor. I was 18. So I was, I was wow. really new to the faith and freshman year of college. And I thought that would be just something I would do while I was in school. Um, but I, I fell in love with, with it and enjoyed it. So I did, I did youth ministry there in, um, North Louisiana, South Arkansas for several years, then went to Cincinnati, Ohio to do youth ministry. And from there, um, met my, the pastor I served alongside Miami at a seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And he invited me to go to Miami and I was there eight years as executive pastor, which I was 27 when I went. So I was really young to go into that role. And then during that time, I, ha- I wrote a book with, with um, Tom Rainer called Simple Church. And we stayed in contact and he was the CEO at Lifeway. And so he recruited me to, um, to be on his executive team. And I did that for seven years. And then now, um, I'm, I'm here in Southern California at Mariner's Church. So, um, that's been the, that's been the, the, basically the the brief synopsis of the different places I've been.
0: Yeah. So when you stepped in, you said when you stepped into the executive pastor role, you were 27 at Christ Fellowship. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was 27 (laughs) years old.
0: Okay. That is, that's crazy. I mean, what, what, what did you step into? I mean, especially stepping into that, I know how large Christ Fellowship is now. Was it as large back then as well?
1: No, no, it was actually called, the church was called First Baptist Church Perrine, at the time. And it's funny. I just um, I just met with a a woman who here is is visiting here from from my church in Miami, and, oh, wow. and her uh, grandson and his wife are here at this church. So cool. uh, it's just crazy how this the world really is small in, in the space that <laughs> we're in. But um, it was called First Baptist Church Prime. It was one one campus, about twelve hundred people, maybe eleven 1, hundred people, and then I went there. Um, and then the Lord just did some really amazing things. The first year we probably was, we're, we tweaking some philosophy and strategy. Um, and then the next seven years we, we, we grew about a thousand people a year wow. and then, and then, um, we launched new, new congregations. And so Christ fellowship now is multiple congregations throughout the city of Miami. And, um, and, but that was a great, that was a great, really enjoyed that season.
0: Yeah. So stepping in, I mean, of course, being that age, you're going to have to build some credibility with, with those that you're leading, not only on staff, but also in the congregation. You've got young leaders listening. What would you say stepping into that type of role? How did you build credibility with those around you in order to lead them well?
1: Yep. And, and there's a lot of things that I, that were given to me that unless these are given to you, it, it's harder. So I, I, I looking back, I, I realized that there's some unfair advantage. There's some things that the Lord just gave me, you know? And one of those is I had a senior pastor who was just wanting to give me a lot of responsibility and authority hmm. and then constantly having my back and not, and not, um, n- never letting there be like end rounds from older staff, you know, he's yep. like, no, Eric's Eric's in charge. Eric's running this. And so I, I, looking back, I I realized how much freedom that gave me to not, um, to not live with with a sense of, man, if I make one mistake, I, I I lose this, this Mm. incredible opportunity. So it was a lot of grace given, which, um, which then just gave me more confidence to, to run after all the things that we we believe the Lord was giving us. So that was a huge thing. And then, but then practically, I, I, I really think, uh, as a young leader, you want to, you want to honor and respect those who have been there before you, and so I—I'm I not saying I did that perfectly, but I really did try to do that and listen to to people who had been on the team for a long time and and leverage uh, all of their influence for the mission that we had and um, honor them and not not act like that what they had done wasn't valuable, but to the opposite that because they had been there so long and had made such a contribution that everything that they had had such value to, to what the future of our church would be. So sometimes I, th- I think young leaders, um, and it really comes out of insecurity. They feel that the most the best thing they could do is bash the past.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, therefore then they're the hero. But when you do that, I mean, people lose confidence in, in who the church is, they lose confidence in the organization. And so you're actually, you're actually destroying the foundation you're standing on when you do that. So I, I had seen a lot of people do that. my, my, my belief was that's, that's the, that's not really the, even if you believe it, it's not the best approach, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Um, it's not going to help you have credibility with people because there's other people who love these people, you know? And, mm. and man, you, so I, I think that, I think that was one thing that, um, that I did. And then, but then I, I will say I, a lot of credibility goes to, I'm mean, going to give a lot of credit to the people because they, they, they didn't have, they could have met my leadership with cynicism and they didn't, they, they were super excited about a young leader and supportive about a young leader. And um, I mean, I realized that that was a gift too, that the Lord, the Lord did that for me.
0: Absolutely. Now, so you stepped in at that role, 27, and then how long were you there again? Seven to eight years. Is that right? Eight, eight years. Eight yeah. years. Okay. So eight years, you, you get all that experience. Um, And then you decide (laughs) Lifeway. So, so you've got the XP experience and then you step into a business kind of role. Of course, it's, you know, Lifeway is a ministry, but there is the business aspect of it. So (laughs) you almost somewhat step out of all that experience that you just gained. And how in the world did you ramp up so fast in order to be on that executive team here at Lifeway?
1: Yeah. I, I felt like there was a lot of, th- when you're an executive pastor um, at a church in Miami, that's growing at that click, you, you are having to scale systems and staff and processes. Mm-hmm. So I did feel like that was going to be transferable to the, um, to the role I was given at Lifeway. And, and it definitely was, but then there was a lot of things that weren't. So like finance, for example, in the local church was, and I'm back in it now and it, it's so much more simple. I mean, it's, Hey, are we spending less? <laughs> are we spending less than we took in? You know, right. are we not, are we being good stewards? I and mean, that's super, super important, but yeah, you know, like, like the budget I look at now doesn't have all kinds of stuff that I had to learn at life. <laughs> it doesn't have like margin and, um, scrap and obsolescence on the printing. Well, and, was there and, a
0: moment where somebody, would, you know, your first week here that somebody laid that in front of you and you were just like completely overwhelmed. <laughs>
1: oh man. <laughs> Finances what destroyed me, uh, at Lifeway my first couple of months. And so Mike White, who I, I worked with the whole time I was there, he was like my finance right hand guy, um, but I love him to death. Uh, that he'll, he'll, he, we, we still joke about this, that I got there around Labor Day. And so that Christmas, so three, four months in, I went to all of the, um, like top business schools, syllabuses online. So like Harvard, um, uh, Wharton, uh, Kellogg, which is of Northwestern. And I just went to their finance MBA, uh, syllabuses and I found the most recurring books and I ordered like six books (laughs) and just read them all. That was my Christmas. My first year was
0: was making,
1: (laughs) making myself read finance books. And so I got back and, I showed Mike all the books I read and said, all right, test me, test me. (laughs) And and so I just, I I just, I decided just to throw myself into it. And, um, you know, honestly, that was part of the reason I did want to go. Um, I had a, I was curious. I I wanted to try some of those things. I wanted Hmm. to, to, I wanted to, and, and I really think it was for pure motives. I wanted to use those disciplines for the glory of God. Um, but it was definitely a huge learning curve, huge, huge learning curve.
2: Oh, I'm sure. I remember you talking about that, and um, they, they w- Eric led a group with another leader here called um, Emerging Leaders, and it was a it was a great group to to learn under and sit under and uh, yeah, just to gain a lot of wisdom. But I remember one of the first ones you talked about when you first came to life, you're like, guys, I, it was bad. I had to get a whole <laughs> lot of books because I feel that way too. And I stepped into this role at student life is what's my glaring weakness. I need to get financial intelligence, you know, and, yep. and read that book and, and just at least no terms. What does ROI mean? What does exactly. dnl mean? You know, I was homeschooled. I didn't know any of that stuff. Mom gave me my allowance, so I didn't really manage that. So I totally did <laughs> that, man. So you served uh, at Lifeway here several years. Eric was a part of some great change that happened at Lifeway, and he definitely got the flywheel of change happening here, which we're so thankful for. Then uh, moved to Southern California at the church now. You've been there for a little over a year, right?
1: Yeah, like a year and a half.
2: A Everything going well there?
1: Man, it, it, I, it has been remarkable. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I keep waiting for it to, to not be remarkable. You know, like I mean, obviously, ministry. There's all, every day has has um, great joy because you see God working in people's lives, and it also mm-hmm. has great pain because you you see the, you see the enemy at work too, um, and you see, um, you see the pain of of this this fallen world on display all the time as well. But as far as um, how it's going in terms of enjoying it and 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 really sensing the the pleasure of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, that that, that is- has been. It has been a really fun run. It really has. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've enjoyed, enjoyed it so much.
2: Good. Well, we're happy for you. And uh, looking back through all those years of leadership, obviously, Eric, uh, you know, I'm sure you were close to perfect and everything, (laughs) but like, can you tell us maybe of, uh, some, some pivotal moments that you look back on that changed your leadership during that time? And I'm going to jump into the next question a little bit, Chandler. So sorry, but like any, any failures as a biggest mistake as a leader getting started that you say really altered your course as a leader.
1: Yeah. And and because I know that the, uh, the podcast is young leaders, I'm going to go back to, um, to one of the most pivotal moments when I was a younger leader. So Uh, I did student ministry when I was in college and right out of student right out of college, I I took a a full-time student ministry role. So in college, it was, it was part-time roles. And then, so I took my first full-time church role and it was, um, I was so passionate to prove myself and, um, you know, make a big impact and like, man, this is such a cool thing. This is, I get to do ministry all the time. This is my full time (laughs) thing. Um, I mean, I get, I get a salary. I I, this is my job. (laughs) This is insane. I, I get to, I get, I get to serve people all day long. So I was so giddy about that. And, and I was wearing myself out just trying to do everything. And so the, it was, he was called a minister of education, but he was really like the executive pastor of the church. His, his name is Ben Wasson, and he pulled me aside one day in a real loving, wise way said, you are not doing ministry at all biblically. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, uh, he said it, I mean, it, he took longer to say it than just one <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Uh, but he essentially, he taught me Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that you're 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 trying to be easy, like you're trying to be a hero to all of these students. You're playing hero ball. You're, you're trying to be the mm. guy, yeah. the one who makes the biggest impact in their life. And, and and let me show you what the scripture says about how you actually are to do this. Mm. And then let's talk practically about about why that's even better for the kids. And so he he taught me in a very patient way Ephesians four, which is you know the pastor is not to do all the ministry but to prepare people for ministry. So it was a paradigm shift for me um, of moving into equipping others to serve the students, being a, a, being a leadership development, um, approach to, to ministry. Uh, I, it would never have happened. And I'm great. I mean, I'm assuming someone would confront me along the way if I hadn't changed, but I'm grateful he did it early. And so that was, that was a pivotal moment for me.
0: No, that's, I love that. <clears throat> the Ephesians four eleven through 13 calling on that. And you even use the phrase hero ball. And, uh, <laughs> I was, I've been thinking about this with, uh, with LeBron recently. And I know, I know you have LeBron with the Lakers now, so everything's going to be perfect. You guys have Anthony Davis with him as well. So <laughs> yes, see, I've seen that you've, uh, totally just jumped right in on the, on the fan hood of the Lakers, <laughs> which is perfect timing with LeBron getting there. So,
1: so hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple things. I, since you brought it up, I've got to defend myself in the perception that you're painting me in the minds of all the young leaders. Um, I was. I, I Miami was the only city I lived in that had a basketball team. So I grew up in New Orleans. There, there wasn't the Pelicans weren't there yet. I was a Miami Heat fan before LeBron got there. All right. So, okay. That's so fair. chaser. So I was LeBron. Uh, of course I was a LeBron fan when he got there. Yeah. Uh, but, but I was not one, I was, not two, not three, hey, <laughs> dude, we, we, well, we didn't get to, we did get, two. We did yeah, you're get right. two. um, so I was, I, and still, still, I mean, I still every, uh, morning now I still check to see if the heat won. So I still, still love the heat on the East coast, but d- dude, this is the only second city I've lived in that has an NBA team. And I, I, I mean, it makes it help. It's a missional thing, guys. It helps you love your city. <laughs> To root for for your own city, you know, and so it was going to go between the Clippers and the Lakers, um, and the uh, general manager for the Lakers is plugged in at our church. So I mean, I'm going Lakers. I'm going Lakers. <laughs> I'm in for the Lakers. <laughs> That's you awesome. Have
2: to yeah, at, at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's you know if if LeBron decides to, you know to not end his career at the Lakers or something we'll see if if you end up going to another city where LeBron is we'll just see if that trend continues. Yeah. Got him Memphis Eric.
2: <laughs> Got him Memphis. Yeah, yeah, off,
0: All that to say, the reason the reason I bring up LeBron is um thinking back on his career in Hero Ball, he made it to the finals back in 07 uh, and he took a just really bad roster and it was him doing everything. And they made it to the finals and he Mm -hmm. ends up getting swept by the Spurs who are a complete team And on the opposite side just as you were talking about Eric is when LeBron went to the heat there was others around him who who carried, uh, where, where there were weaknesses in his game, which I, you know, there's not many, but they were able to to pick up the load. And just so much of that is the distribution of responsibility. And and for, for leaders who are trying to do it all, it's almost, it's almost like LeBron when in back in 07, when he is taking, he's doing everything for that team. And then when it finally comes to it, they just get swept in the finals. And it's just, we have to understand that we are not called to do everything we are called to equip. And that's just, and I know, uh, and I, I love your heart on that, Eric, because I know we we heard it over and over again here is that's what we were called to do is to equip the church as they equip mm-hmm. uh, the saints. So I really yep. do appreciate well, your well heart.
1: Done. Well done, Chandler, on the uh, basketball analogy, man. I mean, that that you played that one really well. Hey, I, I try, I try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I did hey, good, I did do good. I this did good. Great. You got that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to come up with a football one later. We'll, well, We'll get there. Hey, you have John Morant, so you yeah, have, John, you yeah, know. there you go. I'll figure out something while we talk. So Eric, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead?
1: That's good. Um, Man, there's several, uh, and you guys were kind enough to send the questions ahead of time. So I'm having a hard time. I wrote down three on my notes here. Um, Go for it, we'll take three. I'm having a hard time choosing. Uh, Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. That would have helped me just have an overall healthy view of leadership. And so I read that, I read that years later, and it, it it's just a great it would it would have just helped me think about leadership in a in a in a healthy way. The book uh leading change by John Cotter, uh it would have helped me earlier approach change by being sure that you establish a sense of uh, there's a problem to solve as opposed to just throwing out new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that was really helpful and still is a helpful framework. And then, and then the, from a practical standpoint, the book Four Disciplines of Execution, which helps, helps, um, you think about how to, how to actually get a goal, goal accomplished. That was, um, I've always been, I've always been fairly good about writing down goals, but, and, and keeping them in front of me, but that book helps you, um, have some lead measures and some accountability in place that, that leads to, to accomplishing the goals. So that, that was a real helpful read.
0: Eric, I want to ask you a question on this, because I know you you're an avid reader and it seems like there was always, you know, just as Josh was saying in that emerging leaders group, we walk through a different book each month and there's always other book recommendations along with it. So let me just ask you this is how should a young leader view reading and what are some practical tips that you'd give them to be able to read more?
1: Yeah, I think you have to view reading as. As essential part of your part of your leadership, John Wesley, he famously said, "Read or get out of the ministry." And I know that this isn't only pastors and, and church leaders or ministry leaders that are listening, but that was a pastor telling pastors, "Like guys, this is how much reading is important for to you." And he read from all kinds of different disciplines, not just not just um, biblical or theological things. Uh, I think reading is so critical because it it helps you formulate how to it helps you formulate your thinking because you're reading, you're reading a systematic approach to some, to some topic. And so you're learning how people formulate arguments and how people uh, process and then communicate. So it's, it's really important for that. And to me, just having a plan for for what you're going to read and when you're going to read and shutting off Netflix and reading, you know, (laughs) just, just doing it. Um, not that, not that I don't watch Netflix at all. Can And I, my wife and I, we, a couple nights a week, there's some shows that we watch, but I mean, dude, I'm not going to do that seven nights a week and what an absolute waste of my life. So mm. I'm, I'm just going to, after the kids go to bed, I'm, i I'll, I'm always going to have some books that I want to, I want to wade through. Cause I want, I want to learn. I'm curious. So you want to stay curious and stay hungry.
2: Yeah, that's good. Uh, so last year Chandler and I, trying to read, was it 52? Did
0: you, Was your goal 52? Yeah, we said a yeah. book a week, but said you thought it was 50 week. weeks were in, in a year. So 52.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, anyway, we're, we're moving on. Okay. So we are, we are trying to do uh, 52 books in a year, but what is, what is your habit? Do you read like 30 pages a day? Do you have just a page limit that you try to set? Do you try to read a couple chapters a day, a certain amount of time? What kind of goals do you set when it comes to reading?
1: Oh, that's good. Uh, I, well, all I do really at the beginning of the year is, is just map out some categories that I'm going to read in, mm. but I haven't, I don't even really set a goal. Um, cause some books I can, I, mean, I might read a book. There's sometimes where I read a book in a night. Um, and there's other times where it takes me two weeks to go through a book. So it, it depends, you know, some books just read faster and, and others are, Others, you feel like you want to pause after every section yeah, and write yeah. out some thoughts, you know? So it, it just depends. The speed depends a lot on that.
2: Right. Chandler, have you started Deep Work yet? <laughs> no, man. I'm still, Eric, so, have you read I'm still scared
1: work? to read it. Yes, I've yeah. read that. Yeah. So I've
2: started that. And <clears throat> that is one of those books. And I'm like, my goodness, I can't go fast with this book because it's the irony, you know, that, that goes along with it. But I right. totally understand totally. that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think the more you read, you start to pick up on how authors write and there might be areas to to skim faster and then you Mm -hmm. want to slow down in certain sections. So I think that is very helpful. Well, what is your biggest misconception um, as a young leader when you're first getting started? What was your biggest misconception?
1: Oh, man, I I think biggest misconception as a young leader was that people would follow because of the role or because of the, um, the position and that, that really, I mean, the role or the position can buy you maybe a couple of weeks of time, (laughs)
0: not even a year, a couple of
1: weeks. Yeah. It's, um, people don't, and that was true when I was a young leader. I think it's more so now, you know? So I mean, you're, the role itself isn't going to be what you have to use the role to serve others. You can't, um, use the role to be served. You know, um, you have to use the role as a platform to, to then care for other people, um, move, move towards a direction or a vision, but you, you can't just assume that, you have a role. Therefore you're a leader. You know, there's a lot of people that are in roles that aren't leaders and there's a lot of people that are, that are great leaders that aren't in roles. Hmm. So I think the biggest misconception I had as a young leader was equating true leadership with a title. And, and after being in it a little while, you, you start to realize that that's, that's not, it's not, they're not the same thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's very helpful. I mean, what you just said is, is of course, if you have a role that doesn't give you leadership, but also that just because you don't have that role that you aspire to doesn't mean that you're not a leader or that you can <clears throat> have influence. So what advice would you give to someone who is a young leader, who, who feels that there's leadership, that there's influence that they've been given, the Lord's gifted them in, but they are not at that role yet. And then, you know, the classic term is leading up. How, how would you advise someone to lead up uh, to their leader?
1: yeah i, I, I could, I've gotten asked this a lot from young leaders at, at conferences I've spoken at or or you know different meetings I've been at and what I typically will tell a young leader is, hey, find one thing you're super passionate about that you also know that the senior leader or your your supervisor is passionate about and ask if you can tackle that you know if you can if you can run that initiative or, if you can look for, look for an area where, you know, that others, that senior leaders are passionate about and add value to that, as opposed to um, giving yourself to something that the organization isn't caring about. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're a younger leader lower in in the organization, you, you, you want to find out what's the organization value and where, and I'm going to, I'm going to use my, my leadership to help that, and when that happens, you, 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 you'll, get attention and, 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 I, and, I'm hoping I'm, I'm prefacing this with all this being purely motivated because you want to, you want to use your time well, and you want to use your gifts to well and steward that well. Um, but when you invest in things that the organization has said are, are important, um, that that's going to allow you to, to be given more responsibility and to grow more, you know? That's great.
2: So when you stepped into the senior pastor role at Mariner's Church, you were replacing a pastor who had been there for over 30 years, which is, I mean, that's that's just really, really impressive. Uh, and it can be extremely difficult to do as well to step into that. But what advice and practical tips would you give younger pastors who may be stepping into a pastorate and replacing a, a long-term pastor, the, the next guy up, basically? It's it's difficult to do in, uh, in several different roles.
1: Yeah. I think you definitely want to understand the context you're going into. I, I think one of the books that we referenced when I met with you guys through that, through that reading was that the book, the first 90 days, yeah. mm-hmm. which, which you look to see what the, what phase, um, the organization's in, you know, is it a startup? Is it a turnaround? Is it realignment or sustained success? And then you need to adjust your leadership based on the, the context of the organization well, following a long-term senior pastor who had an incredible ministry and still does at our church and in our in our community, uh, it was clearly not a turnaround, you know. <laughs> and so, if 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 I had come in with in turnaround language, that that would have been horrible. I, I would have been dishonoring him. I would have been um, disruptive to the church. The church did not need a turnaround leader. Now, there's other times when I have gone in. And, and and I was asked to to lead in a turnaround fashion this this was not that so the the key is just to realize the context you're walk you're walking into and then you you have to you have to ask yourself on the front end can I flex and be a different can I adjust to the to the context and to the people or am I do I only have one pitch as a leader. Mm. And if you're, if you're a one pitch leader, and I think there are some who are that and they're really good at that one pitch, then just be sure that the one pitch matches the context you're going to.
0: Yeah. Don't step into something that's not your strength.
1: Yeah, totally. That's really
2: good. So maybe play, play this past year and a half out for us a little bit. So you step into this role, the flywheel is already going there, you know, there's momentum, but getting to know your people. So the people that attend your church how important was that? And how did you do that with a church so large? Did you lean on your staff a lot to hear the, the voice of the people for lack of better terms? And in order to know what direction I'm headed and listening to them and, and where the church needs to go versus where it is.
1: I spent a lot of time listening, um, and still do. I mean, I still feel like I'm in, in deep learning, uh, age. I spent a lot of time. I try to spend a lot of time with, with people. I'm obviously I do mm-hmm. with the staff, but I'm not only the staff, uh, we have a big patio that is hang, you know, that's right outside the worship center. And so in between services, I try to, even if I'm tired, I, I try to make myself not sit in the green room, but hang out in the patio. And, um, I spend a lot of time with, we have what we call shepherding elders and I have dinners with, um, couples of our shepherding elders typically after our Saturday night service just listening and, and getting to know people. And so that's, that's been the rhythm for the first 18 months is, and then a lot of time with Kenton, who was the, the senior pastor mm-hmm. before me and who's still, who's still one of our teaching pastors. He and I have lunch every other week and, and I always have, i always have five or six really significant questions to ask him.
0: <laughs> that's so, we, that's so convenient that he's still around and oh sure, man, it's it's been so, so, awesome. so helpful. It's, uh, it's huge. Well, now we're going to move to the quick hitter questions. So these are short one-minute answers, and we're going to get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, um, today I woke up uh, about f- at 4.30, and then I exercised first thing. I um, jogged down to a coffee shop and then listened to a sermon, jogging there, and then, and then drink the coffee walking back. Um, then I lifted weights for 30 minutes and then I worked on a sermon for, um, a couple hours. So I was, and I did that at home and, and, and so I tried to do time in the word, uh, at home, not, not in the office. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I came in at, at um, actually didn't come in till the office until 10. So I, I did stuff at home. I hung out with the kids a little bit before they went off to school. And then when, then once I'm here, it's just pretty much back to back. Uh, all day long, that, that's pretty much how it goes.
2: You guys have many staff meetings, like all staff meetings, a stand up in the morning, devotional, anything like that.
1: Uh, once, once a month, and uh, in all an in all team meeting, and then our leadership team once a week. But no, no, no not not like a daily stand up or anything.
2: Okay, okay. What's your favorite personality test?
1: The one we use there at Lifeway, uh, we actually use um, use here. As well, the insights where it's the colors red, mm-hmm. blue, yellow, green. What's I, uh I,
2: what color what color are you?
1: Uh red is the top color.
2: Okay, red. I think mine I think red is my top color as well. Yeah. Chandler, you're probably red as well.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Do you
0: know your Enneagram?
1: Um, I have never taken a <laughs> test. Everyone's told me that I'm a three, but I've not I've not I've not taken it.
0: Yeah. I can see that keep, keep uh keeping it away. It's, it's one of those things that everybody's going to keep asking you. I like that. You still haven't taken it. So keep it up. You think it's good to not take it? Well, if you're this far in, I mean, <laughs> it's already, you stood your ground. So I love it. That's fun. <laughs> what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership?
1: Mm, um, I think an unusual habit is, is um, like when I something I'm curious about something. uh, I, I just will dig super deep into it. And and then even if it has nothing to do with like church or ministry, uh, and then, but the curiosity, I always learn something and then, then I, I end up using that learning in different things. So, um, but sometimes people make fun of me like, dude, why are you reading that? Or what's, <laughs> what, you know, what is, why, what, why what's, is that?
0: what's the most recent like rabbit that you've chased and researched?
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I'm, let's see. I'm look, so when I first moved here, um, Irvine, which is where our church is located is 42% Asian. And so I, I just started buying all these, um, books on Asian studies. And, huh. and then, uh, some friends of mine who are Asian were like, what is that dude? I've never seen that book, you know? So I, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not even know if I'm reading the right ones, you know, um, yeah. I'm just trying to learn. I love it.
2: What is your favorite app on your phone right now?
1: Man, I don't have a lot of apps. I, I probably most use, uh, the, my, no, that little notes app. Cause I, I, I will write down different things that like illustrations or ideas mm-hmm. or note, little tasks for a meeting, That's, that's that one. And then, and then the podcast app, I use that. I use that for when I'm exercising.
0: Yeah. So you use the notes app over like a different app, like just the native Apple notes. Yeah. Nice. No, I've started going back to it. I think, I think it's a great app. So I used to use Evernote. I'm switching back to notes. So we'll see um, how it goes. What has been the best book that you've read in the past six months?
1: Um, you know, I, I now, since I have moved back into a local church and now that I'm teaching a, a, a lot, a lot of the books that I'm reading are, are related to topics that I'll be teaching on. There's a, uh, there's a book by Cornelius, I might butcher his last name, Pentega, called not the way it should be. And it's like a, just a whole study of sin and it's just a fascinating read, um, you know, you're like, oh, great! I'm gonna read a book about sin, but it, it actually is very helpful in, in terms of understanding our own brokenness, and then and then and then ways that the grace of God gets applied to us. So that that's been a really, I really, I thought that was a great read.
2: Yeah, I have to check that one out, uh, Eric. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position
0: for the very first time?
1: Uh, listen, just listen, listen a lot,
0: listen a lot. I like it. We got, we got one more bonus question for you. It bonus. Wasn't, yeah, you ready? Yeah. Do you think the Lakers are going to win it all this year?
1: I think the Lakers are going to win it all this year. Uh, I realize that there's probably one more piece that needs to be added before the February 3rd trade deadline. Okay. And I'm not sure exactly what that piece is going to be. You know, maybe it's somebody who uh, is it, like – Andre Godella I was or, just
2: about to say, Hey man, Hey, the Grizz, you gotta, they've been you sitting, sitting on that, the Grizz, man. Though. They ain't giving him up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I, I, you know, if there's one more piece added, I'll feel, I feel really, and I love the team, but I feel yeah. even better.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you said the GM's plugged into your church. So if you get wind of what might be happening, just let I us can know do so, so yeah, we can I, sound really admit, cool. The insider information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey and your time as a young leader. And thank you for listening today. We hope that it's been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. See you next week. See ya. See ya.